0: is found in the rockies happy holidays happy new year our final episode of 2023 and if you haven't listened to us before this is a podcast about the startup ecosystem in the rocky mountain region featuring the founders funders and contributors and most importantly the stories of what they're building I'm Les Craig from Next Frontier Capital, and on today's episode, we have an old friend of mine, Jonathan Myers. So excited to have you today, Jonathan. Jonathan is the co-founder and CEO of Dunoff Ops, where he helps organizations achieve sustainable DevSecOps transformation. Hey, Jonathan,
1: welcome yes. to the show. How's it going? It's nice nice turn, turn of tables. You used to be on my podcast, and so now I'm finally uh, returning the favor and back on yours.
0: That's right. I, we're, we're equal opportunity impalers here at Founded Rockies. So yeah. we like to, 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 uh, you know, turn the pain around every once in a while and put you in the hot seat. Yeah. You, you, you podcast hosts. So it's yeah. it's great to have you. Um, so I, you know, this is a fun episode end of the year. Uh, we like to go a little kind of off script, a little non-traditional uh, one year. I didn't even have a guest. I just ripped. That was really a bad episode, but, um, no, this is okay. But, uh, I'm having you on the show today most people will be like oh Jonathan like they're googling you like oh, where's he where's he from oh maybe he's a Denver guy maybe he's a Bozeman guy like what
1: where Where are you where are you today so I'm currently in London England at the moment you know best time of the year to be in England is Christmas time so not London Utah or London Canada no I'm in uh, London England
0: well you're not in the Rockies why in the heck where, where do you spend most of your time
1: um, so I pretty much travel a lot most of the time, like fully remote. Um, my job allows me to kind of just have internet and then I'm able to do whatever. And so I spend many, many months in the Rockies, uh, I guess every year, um, is one of my, I'd say it's one of my key locations that I go back to multiple times a year, every year. So, I mean, um, I'm in Bozeman quite a bit in Colorado for a bit. And then there was that one winter where I just didn't leave, and i drove around montana uh uh-huh, wyoming and colorado for 6 months just snowboarding whenever there was fresh powder so
0: so there it is that's that's why we're having you on the episode you are a digital nomad that happens to frequent the rocky mountain region so very cool to to kind of kick off the episode though I'd love for you to give everybody, as we always do, just a little bit about, about your background, where you grew up, kind of maybe maybe where you went to school, uh, if you're proud of that institution. And, you know, just just tell us about who you are, where you came from.
1: Yeah. So probably non-traditional-ish, I guess, from the people you talk to. Um, So born and raised in San Antonio, Texas. Um, grew up there, same house, everything. Uh, left finally um, to go to United States military Academy at West point, um, several many years ago. Um, so went there, uh, studied, I guess we, I was one of the first classes that did the, uh, information technology degree. So we were like one of the first classes that was like a accredited to do it. So effectively just computer networks. Um, I guess back then we called it information assurance, or I think this is what they used to call yep. cybersecurity back in the day. Um, yeah. so it was very heavy, heavy with that. Um, Based on the school I went to and the things they we were doing, um, so I did that. And then upon graduating, you know, you have to you have to serve five years in the army. Um, and then the army's infinite wisdom—they decided not to send me to a technical branch that was like computer science related or networking related or anything like that. Sounds
0: like the army. And, Sounds like the army. Yeah, that's the way they. They decided.
1: Yeah. They decided to send me to do logistics for the army. So, um, spent the next six years kind of traveling around the United States and then, um, I like kind station and things. Yeah. You know, you get three, you hand in six and then just redistributing the beans. But you know, the guy who holds all the logistics has all the power, I guess. Right. Cause he's got all the supplies sure. and, and all the and hand those. receipts too, which are fun. Yeah. yeah. And and people got to eat too. Right. So you need food when you're out in the field. Um, so I did that. Uh, my final duty station was in Korea. Um, I was doing a bunch of crazy stuff over there. I got involved in kind of the startup ecosystem out there um, back in God ooh, like 2013, 2014. So like startups were real hot back then. Um, entered a hackathon out there, won the hackathon, which came with like office space and some money. Um, Wait, the money in South
0: was... Korea, you were in, you entered this hackathon in in South Korea?
1: Yeah, well, against other Army.
0: South Koreans?
1: Yeah. 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 Very cool. I didn't know yeah. that. So we won that, um, but it was like- And you won, and you won it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I won it. Um, so I spent the next like six months trying to raise money out there, um, but it's like a weird ecosystem out there because they don't have, or they didn't back then, um, the kind of the notion of like a limited liability company. Um, so if you were to take money, like you were technically on the hook for that money. Um, so it wasn't really- uh... Very North Korean of them. I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a great yeah. thing, right? And it was also like sponsored by one of the- the big five companies. And so they basically kind of, there was like a weird caveat in the, like a lot of the r- papers that were like, we own this effectively, um, mm. which is kind of weird. Um, but anyway, so I was trying to raise money, went to San Francisco, presented like a global hackathon thing, um, talked to investors and things like that. And everybody was like, you need to move back to America and the Bay Area. Mm. Um, so. Stayed in the army for another year after that since I owed it and I was having a lot of fun in South Korea. So, um, and then kind of fast forward, uh, got out of the army, moved to San Francisco, um, started working at uh, a former company of yours, a cybersecurity analytics company called Red Owl Analytics. Um, started up there I, in their I San Francisco office. I remember a little
0: bit about that. It's so far in the past, I've kind of forgotten yeah. this, but yeah. Yeah. So, Which, started interesting for our listeners. So, Jonathan and I, never did not meet we never crossed paths i think i had left red owl what maybe a few months or a year maximum year year before before you started yeah so we never crossed paths at a company that i co-founded which is kind of a fun trivia yeah Yeah. and
1: then also went to the same university so also weird that we didn't even cross paths because i met your wife when i was in san francisco so oh yeah very weird. Um, because I did the Stanford Ignite program out there and oh, the Commit yeah. Foundation sponsored that, then. so did that. Um, yeah, so started at Red Owl, started on the product side of the house, and then they needed some people to kind of help deploy the software. And so I got into automating all that kind of stuff and virtual help is there. an understatement, <laughs> yeah. I so, remember
0: those, things. yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. So doing all that, um, that company got acquired by Force Point. Um, I lasted all of nine months, maybe after that acquisition, um, Did you go back to
0: Tejas after the acquisition,
1: no, 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 right before the acquisition, I moved to Hawaii. Oh, <laughs> that'll do it. Uh, yeah. Cause force point was making me travel a bunch. And I was like, well, if I only get a week home every year or every month, I might as well be on vacation for that week. So I moved to Hawaii, <laughs> I moved to the North shore of Hawaii like um, from the Bay area. Cause it was cheaper to live on the North shore. And if it's like a vacation every week, um, out of the month. Basically, you've um, been a digital
0: nomad since as long as you can before remember. Before was cool.
1: Yeah, before like was twenty. Cool. What was it like 2016 2017 Yeah. What was it yeah. even called back then? Just I, they called them digital nomads, Almost? but like it was yeah, okay. <laughs> digital. <laughs> it was still a. It was still a very new term. Like not a lot of people knew what it was. um It was very. Yeah, it was still very new, and it wasn't really certain types of people. It was like. You could tell it was like marketing people-ish and like, you know, people with like super small businesses that kind of did consulting work, um, yep. didn't kind of require to have to talk to people. Um, I was lucky since I was doing infrastructure, cloud infrastructure stuff. Um, I can work my own hours because you can't take down sites while people are using them. So you end up mm-hmm. working off hours anyway. Um, oh, yeah. so did that joined a new company after I left the force point acquisition, uh, called Cybrary, um, was their head infrastructure guy, um, And cybersecurity guy over there uh, did a podcast with him, um, which is where...
0: That's where we met, through the podcast, yeah. Yeah.
1: Through the podcast, yeah. And so did that for three years and then finally went out on my own, kind of doing the same thing just for a bunch of clients at once. Um, But yeah, so been on the road pretty much ever since 2017, I would say. So yeah. Awesome.
0: Yeah, Very cool. And what would you say, you know, for those, for our listeners, that maybe this is the first time they've even heard the term digital nomad they're totally lost right now in this conversation but like this is a big trend this is something that's gained a lot of popularity i think in the last really five years ish um yeah. time frame maybe even less than that but like tell us like what is it like philosophically what is it how does it work
1: you know yeah so i think i think we'll talk pre-covid because covid kind of changed what everybody kind of mm. thinks it is because everybody now considers like work from home digital nomad, which is, I mean, I guess, kind of. Um, effectively, it was it was just this idea that you could kind of work from anywhere. And so you got to kind of like live your life during the day and be in random places. So instead of like going to an office, you just needed a place with internet and a computer. And so you could start to experience like new things. It'd almost be like going to a different office building, like however frequent. A lot of people started doing it for like three to six months. Um, a lot of times it was dictated by the visa of the country you were visiting. I found my sweet spot was like typically like one to two weeks, unless it was like at a very big like hub. So back then, there used to be a couple big hubs for digital nomads. Like Bali was a big one. I think that was kind of like some consider like the birthplace of the digital nomads. I think that's where one of the first like co working places started. And so that Medellin was pretty big. Um, I think it's still pretty Um, big, actually. Um, Yeah. And so there was just a couple spots like that where it was just, I remember the first time I went to Bali in 20. probably been 20 What was that 2018 2018 2019 and it was just filled like everybody at the co-working space was digital nomads there weren't that many yet i think there was maybe like three um in the like big areas like some deep in the jungles there was only like one or two um so it was like a very kind of cool community because like everybody was working at one of three places and so it's just kind of everybody's kind of working from their laptop during the day it's not like you're not working. It's not like the work from home people these days where it's like, you get sidetracked and you're off doing your thing. It's like, you're you're not like doing laundry
0: all day. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You go to a co-working space and you
1: like, you do your work, you know, it's just um, like, there's certain industries that kind of lend it to that. Um, I know some guys that were doing cybersecurity stuff and they were on like 24 hour operations. And so they got stuck on the night shift. And instead of being on the night shift in the United States, they would just, go to bali for months at a time so they could just work normal hours and like not have a terrible like work life balance because you know nobody goes out during the day and things like that and so they were doing it from bali which was just a 12 hour offset of east coast time and so mm-hmm. they would just kind of live their life and live a normal life and still kind of do their jobs um and That's then the cool. other part of that is like you don't really have anything like you just kind of have your backpack or suitcase and you kind of just kind of go with the flow so um, wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. whoa 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 you what what do I do with my storage shed garage uh, uh, three car garage, uh all my furniture what do what do you do with that when you become a digital nomad? you have to get like a storage facility or like what do you um yeah,
1: do you do so when I first stuff? when I first moved to Hawaii, I just took a backpack and I put a bunch of stuff in storage in San Francisco. Um, obviously the most expensive place you can do to put storage units. And I was like, well, let's see let's see if I actually need any of this stuff and touch it, right? Because it's an easy flight back from Hawaii to San Francisco to get stuff if I needed. Hmm. All my friends are back there, so I'd go back quite regularly. And so I was like, well, let's see if I touch it. Like all um, your old notebooks from West Point that you'd saved, like right, that kind of stuff. in my trunk. Yeah. yeah, all that stuff in my trunk. Your trunk, all that stuff um, in your
0: trunk, right, okay.
1: Yeah, and so years passed, and I never, I never once went to my storage unit. And so... Uh-huh before I put all the stuff in the storage and I sold all my furniture cause I was moving to Hawaii. I wasn't going to ship it. Um, but yeah. And then everything else, like I went back finally, uh, I think it was like early 2020 before COVID I got lucky and I just emptied the entire thing, donated most of it to charities and other organizations. Um, and then shipped some of the stuff like my West point uniforms and stuff back home, um, to my parents' house, just to kind of put in storage there. Um, cause it was cheaper. And so yeah. So oh, I kind of lived out of two backpacks need those again. So I get it. Well, it's like, I don't want them now, but like, I kind of yeah, want yeah. them, but like the storage unit in San Francisco is out of control. And so right. at least right. in Texas, it's a reasonable price and yep. things like that. And so, so, so yeah, so it's very stuff. much, a, it's very
0: much a part of the culture. It sounds like, or like, it's, it's like not even minimalism, right? It's not like you got a tiny house and you have a few, yeah. like one spoon and one cup or what, like you literally have a backpack. Or two backpacks, right? Is that there- backpacks?
1: Yeah, I had two. Two backpacks. Yeah. Incredible. And and that's, liters. Yeah.
0: It's like all your clothes, all your stuff.
1: Yeah. I probably took it to the extreme because, like, a lot of people, when they digital nomad, like they'll just go for like six months at a time. And it's almost mm. like that's their vacation ish, can- where it's like they're still working five days a week, six days a week. Um, It's just on the weekends, you get to go out and do cool things in a new country or a new place and things like that. Um, And so some people would already had houses and they would just kind of like storm away or rent them out for months at a time. Um, And some people would, you know, get rid of their rent place and put it all in a storage unit and go. Um, So I took it to kind of the extreme um, just because, you know, you know, in the army, you kind of tend to collect things. And the first time I had to move my own stuff after getting out of the army, I was like, I'm never doing this again. This is painful, right? Because the army comes in, packs it all up, everything, It just moves it. And they just like, oh, as long as you don't go over this weight, you know, you can take whatever you want. And so you, you just try to get as close to that weight as possible. And then you're like, why do I have all this stuff? And so, (laughs) yeah, so I got rid of it all, um, which is great. Well, it's like,
0: it goes back to the days, remember West Point when I think it's like as a freshman, what you can have one knickknack and then you get like, you graduate up to like three knickknacks. I think by the time you're a yearling, it's like, a it's like a macrocosm of (laughs) knickknacks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. what we I mean, do. That's what people do. We acquire knickknacks.
1: Yeah, we did.
0: And we never let I mean, it
1: I, I got out of it at West Point because I always got an exception to policy written because, uh, I'm good like that. Of course um, you did. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> it must be liberating though. I mean, talk to us about like, you, you know, so instead of on the weekends, instead of, uh, like cleaning your shed, which I just did a few weeks ago, like, like, cause I had to get ready for the, for the winter. I had to put stuff away, take stuff out. Like, instead yeah. of doing super fun stuff like that, what are you doing on the weekends?
1: Yeah. So <laughs> um, back then when I was traveling more frequently, I was doing like one to two weeks. And so that would just be like my normal like sightseeing. Like, you would clean your shed. I would just be like, Bopping around Norway and like just taking the train out to some random city and just like hanging out for the day, like checking out things, you know, checking out new restaurants, bars and things like that. And then during the week I do that too. As soon as I leave the office, like I can try all the restaurants. I can go oh, see right. all the sites on my way back from, I always made sure to get a co working space. Um, I could see all the sites back to my like place. I was staying, things like that. You meet a bunch of random people along the way. Um, sometimes you like form groups and then y'all travel together. And so, uh-huh did that a bunch and traveled to a bunch of different places with some groups of people I met. Um, And so it's just like your normal friend group. You're just, you know, some people plan for six months to take a trip to Europe and I would just be like, Oh, cool. I guess I'll just go to Oslo today and then just get on a train and be in Oslo for the next week and a half, two weeks. Um, So cool. So what,
0: what about, um, I mean, there's, there's obviously some incredible benefits to living life, being present, experiencing like all these great places what are some of the challenges of, of this kind of a lifestyle? Like what are some of the things that are, they're that hard or that you've learned to adapt to?
1: Yeah. 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 So no matter how good you are at making friends, like you're always still like alone, right? Uh, well, yeah. Unless like you're traveling with a partner or somebody and you two are going like everywhere, but like at the end of the day, like you hang out, you meet new people, you make friends and things like that. But like, sometimes you get the itch and you move on and then you go to a new place and you start over. Um, And so you spend a lot of time just like, especially if you're a solo traveler, like, you know, you just spend a lot of time by yourself on trains, planes, automobiles, driving around Um, Mm -hmm. It's easy for me, only child. So like, I'm used to that kind of stuff. Um, But like at a certain point, like you kind of forget what it's like kind of to have like friends all the time, right? Like you have friends that you're talking to and texting, but it's not like you can just like roll over to their house, you know, after work and grab a beer with them. Right. And so everything's kind of remote. I guess the army kind of trained us with that, though, because you move every three years anyway. So like your friends are usually far away anyway. Um, So I was I was pretty well prepared for that. Um, But and then a lot of the times sounds terrible, but like you have like choice overload, right? Like how do you you have to you have to come up with like a method to stay sane, right? Because if you can go anywhere, too many options, and so you have to kind of like. You have to kind of like pick and choose and kind of make sure yeah. you're, you, you know, you have some sort of structure. So I, I used to do this thing called pillar events where it's like, I don't like planning out more than like three days in advance. But like if somebody was getting married, that'd be a pillar event. And so yeah. I put those on my calendar and then I'd start to plan travel kind of around those dates yeah. where it's like, if my friend was getting married in New York, I'd be like, oh, cool. Like I don't really like New York that much, but I'd like to be like in the area. So they can just hop over for the wedding events sure. and then back out of there, right? Or like my cousin got married in Nantucket, and so it was like, oh, well, I'll just I'll come back to Texas for a couple of weeks before that, hang out with my family. We'll all fly to Nantucket together, hang out with family, and then I'll be back over in Europe, and I'll just leave from Nantucket since it's on the way. And so you can kind of start to plan things like that um, around, yep. and especially a bunch of friends in Europe. Yep. And so you just kind of pick cities that are trainable and things like that. And so if you don't really have that though, you kind of some people just kind of like where they're one place they're at. Um, I think I'm cool with that yeah. for a bit, but usually visas run out. And so you have to oh, hop sure. around. Yeah. Typically like so. 90 days. Yeah.
0: Well, and I imagine that's, that's kind of the that's kind of the irony, irony of it too. Like if you start to get to a point where you're like, oh, I really like this place. I'm just going to stay here. You're not really a digital nomad anymore. It's just like you moved.
1: I mean, right? kind of, because I mean, you're just like, you have the choice to just stay. Like, let, let me stay 30 more days and see what happens, right? And mm-hmm. so the other thing is, is a digital moment. You can also just be like, eh, all my friends have left or moved on. Like I should move on too. And then just decide to leave in two days and like leave. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I always had a rule where it's like, I, I never bought more than like one plane ticket a- ahead. And so I always had like a plane ticket somewhere to like leave the country for certain places. Cause the visas require it. Um, but if I could get away with it, I would just have a one way ticket to that city so that like I could just pick up and go whenever I got tired, or bored, or thought I'd seen it all, or heard about some other cool event happening, um, hmm. and things like that. Um, do, so. do you ever
0: do you ever find like now that you've been in in this or at this for you know number of years? Do you ever find like you reconnect with old people in new places? Like you show up and there's like, oh wow, I remember you from Columbia, and now you're in London, or yeah. you know, like do you did that happen ever?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it, when I first started, it was really easy. Like the only thing I ever kept using Facebook for was you could type in the search box that say, show me my friends in Colombia," Right. And so it would list all your friends in Colombia, like people I hadn't reached out to in years, but like it would yep. show me who was there. And then if I was going to Colombia, like I'd reach out and be like, Hey, you know, I'll be in the area. It'd be great to catch up, yada, yada, yada. And so I did that early on. Cause you know, when we were in the army, you have friends literally scattered around the world. And so it's like, I could make trips out of whatever, um, and do things like that. And then I also noticed it was a, it was a really good way to reconnect with people. You'd kind of moved away from and lost touch with, because I was able to kind of go visit them for like weeks at a time, you know? And it was like, we got to like hang out and they're all, you know, adulting and have houses and things. And so I get to stay in the spare bedroom, which is free rent, which more money in my pocket. Um, and so- And so you get to kind of hang out with people and see how they've been going. And then, you know, you kind of rekindle friendships and you're amazed how quickly they pick back up and things like that. And it's, it's like interesting because like, I don't know where else, like you'd else, where else you'd rather, where else you'd be in your life that you could just pick up and go and like hang out with a family that, you know, their kid just turned two or three. Right. And then just get to like experience that, that family and their kid at like two and three, and then, you know, go away for a couple of years and then come back and, you know, you get to hang out with them again and kind of reconnect um, and things like Uncle that. Jonathan's uh, back. Yeah. Literally <laughs> yeah. every time I return to Hawaii, it's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's just like that. And so, cause then it's kind of cool. Cause then you can start to build pillar events off that. Like, you know, you reconnect with these people and it's like, oh, their, their son or daughter is turning three. And so it's like, oh, I could be in the area for that. And so it's like kind of nice to kind of start to plan things like that. Um, as far as people, like you meet along the road, you pretty much, you start like WhatsApp groups and hip chat groups or not hip chat, ugh, uh, uh, Ch- talk and Telegram and all those chats, like I have all the chat apps. And so you just kind of have these worldwide, worldwide. I have all of them. And so you just kind of have group chats from when you were there. And then a bunch of them, I still, you know, ping every now and again. I've met up with a bunch. So like when I got out of the army, I did the uh, Camino de Santiago and I walked across Spain. And so I got, I got, I got, (laughs) it took me 33 days to get all the way to the ocean um, from France and so I met a bunch of people along the way, and we have like a group chat on uh, Facebook Messenger. And so I've actually met up with a couple of them, you know, five, six, ten years after I first met them. And the last time I saw them, just because I knew, you know, they were in Hungary, and I was like, "Oh, I'll be in Hungary," so hit them, just hit them up. And they're like, "Oh, I'm around." And so you know, and then you meet up, you catch up, see how people's lives have been changed and stuff like that. So it's pretty fun. Um, so you got things like that. I think data service is pretty ubiquitous now which helps a lot um, back in the day early nomads like 15 16 you had to be conscious about where you're going to make sure they had good internet and so sure now sure. I think it's a lot of it's caught up like Bali was real bad back in the day um, but now it's hmm. you know now it's completely taken over but that's another story
0: are there tools like that help you assess those things like I would I would it seems like there should be right like so you, yes you know like even if you're in a certain place like where do I go to get the best? co-working yes. wireless all that stuff.
1: So there was a bunch of like SaaS apps back in 2015 2016 um I think they're still going. They were just started by like digital nomads that were out and about and they would just start, you know, logging these places that had Wi-Fi and like coffee shops that had good Wi-Fi and there would just be an app you could go and look on a map and they'd be like, "Oh, somebody like some of them were actually pretty clever It's like it was a mobile app on your phone and you connect to the Wi-Fi. and when you check in, it's like, Oh, do you want to add this place to the map? And then it would also run a speed test on your phone yep. and yep. then log that to the app. And so it wasn't asking you to put in speeds and things like that. So you could trust it a little bit more to like give you a realistic expectation of what the internet speeds were. Um, That's cool. and so, yeah, a bunch of those, a lot of them kind of, I think went away during COVID cause nobody was using them. Nobody was traveling kind of hard yeah. to keep running and things like that but yeah there's there's a bunch of tools you just kind of had to be in the know and meet people and figure it out but yeah. yeah
0: what do you find as well now now that you've got this pretty mapped out that you do have you're starting to have places that are more like concentrated for where you spend your time concentrated in terms of where you have friends has that has that evolved as well like some permanence to what was largely very an op- open strategy
1: yeah so i think i kind of got I think COVID kind of got me started down that path, right? So I was I was going around the Nordics in you know January, February, March of twenty twenty. Um, and then COVID started to hit and I got on a plane and went to Singapore. Um, obviously, because I was like, Where can I ride out this like one month avian blue situation that's unfolding? And I was like, Well, it's either South Korea or Singapore, because like they know how to deal with this. Like, you know, it'll be fine. So I got to Singapore, it was pretty fine for the first like month, um, but then they started to lock down more and more. um, And it was a great situation being stuck in a hotel room um, for over a month. And so then my visa ran out, so I had to come back to the United States. Um, And so then I went back to Hawaii, obviously, as one does, uh, because I was like, where can I sit on a beach? And then right as I got there, they closed the beaches, um, which is crazy. (laughs)
0: Uh, How can you close beaches?
1: Yeah. And so... (laughs) Yeah, I did that, did my two-week quarantine, but I think that started me down the path of kind of having like these core these core cities because I was spending more and more time at places and you start to develop like more and more friendships and meet more people yep. and like you start to get more involved in people's lives. And so it was like, you know, I had been avoiding that, I guess you could say for the last, you know, five years after that or before that. And so it was just like, you're getting stuck in it, you're getting involved, you're getting interested and, and it just kind of happens. And so- yeah. Now I'm kind of at the point where it's like, there's like three or four places I'm pretty much always at. And then I'll travel, I'll go on vacation to other ones that are not kind of on that list that just happen to be like pillar events that I need to hit and things like that. So
0: it's It's funny when I think about, uh, when I think about our friendship and your relationship to our community here in Bozeman, I, I got a smile and got a laugh because I see you more then I see some of the people that are in our tech group in tech community. Like you come out more for events. I mean, you sponsored a great event last year, uh, that we did a big happy hour. Like, so in some ways I see you, you're active in the, in the Slack channel. So you're active virtually. And then you show up physically, which some, some of the local people don't even do. So
1: yeah,
0: you know, yeah. kudos, kudos to you. It's, it's, that's yeah. fun.
1: Yeah. yeah Bozeman's one of my like one of my four, I would say, because like, I'm always back. I go back for at least a week. I try to go back for at least a week and stuff like that. And it's when I'm there, it's like, I'm trying to get involved, meet everybody, talk to everybody, feel see how it is and stuff like that. And then I disappear. And then I come back and then it's like, cool, great. I'm back. Let's do some things. So, you know, it's, it's, it's
0: fascinating too, because it reminds me a lot when I first started spending time w- w- when I, you know, with our firm in Colorado and Utah, before we had permanent people down there, it it almost creates a sense of like when you come to town, when you come to a place you're not from, like people will sort of go out of their way to spend time with you because like you're not always there. And so yeah. it seems like this type of lifestyle could almost lead to more engagement and interaction with friends and and people in, in a very real and present way because it's like, oh, Jonathan's in town. We got to go get dinner. We got to go do
1: something, you know, we got. Yeah. yeah. So Especially with like that. my married friends, they always get like the pass, right? It's like, well, Jonathan's <laughs> in town. He's only in town for a week. Like I have to, <laughs> I have to go see him. And so, you know, I get a lot of that where it's like, yeah. I kind of just like get my way pretty much. Cause I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not always here, you know? And so it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of an easy way. Um, it's probably selfish of me, but like, cool. it always keeps me busy when I visit, you know? And so, but yeah, yeah I think it works. I think it's, it's an interesting thing. So
0: if somebody's listening to this episode and they're like man i'm in a situation in my life either where i could do this or i want to do it i have even i mean it seems like if you're if you're single or you're you're a couple without kids this is much more easy to swallow or figure out yeah. it's still not easy but it's it, it's at the complexity of doing this with children i think would be hard but Imagine somebody even with kids that says like, I want to do this, um, I want to try this. Like, what what advice would you give or how would you encourage them to get over the hump to actually doing it? And what strategies for like dipping a toe in the water and and trying it out?
1: Yeah. Um, so definitely the biggest hurdle is like just kind of doing it. Um I there's a bunch of like people that do this with their families, like full time. Um but I think that's like the the exception to the rule. Like they get away with it, I think, because at that point you can kind of turn it into like a content factory. And so you can kind of get your kids involved in making content and vlogs and like all of that kind of stuff while you do your normal day to day. Because like, I think that's the problem is like, if you're traveling and working all day, like how do you entertain your kids and things like that, that are, you know, yeah. you can't teach them, you can't put them in school, right? If you're only somewhere for two weeks, three weeks, how do you homeschool them? Things like that. So I think kids and stuff, it's great to have like a good partner that is willing to kind of take on that role. Um, The other thing I would say is, I mean, I enjoy it for like a lot of reasons. I think it's best to travel now when you're younger. Because right, like when, as you, if you put it off till later, like, you're not going to want to walk six miles around, you know, Prague, and like discover the most random corners and things like that. You're, it's, it's going to get to the point where it's like, oh, you go to Prague and you, you go on a tour, and like they put you on a bus and they show you all the sites and things like that, and you can't really pick and be like, oh, I just want to go in this bar. This looks like a cool bar. I just want to go in and drink, um, and things like that. And so I think that's kind of like a thing you have to keep in mind is like. I don't think you should save it until you're older, right? Because I think a lot of people do that. They just push it off and say like, oh, I'll do it when I have more money and like more time and things like that. I don't think it ever gets any better, right? Because I think you can, I kind of I kind of think about it also is like, I guess when you were younger, when I was younger, you'd go travel for the weekend when you were living in Europe and stuff like that. You'd go stay at a hostel, right? You'd sleep on a mattress. Yeah. You'd sleep on an air mattress. You like do anything. And I was like, well, that's the yeah. cheapest way to do it, right? Like, And so- it's not that it's expensive to go and travel and things like that. So you just got to like, think about like what you're willing to put up with now, as opposed to later, it's going to be more expensive because you're like, no, I don't want to sleep on a couch, like things like that. That's a
0: great, that's oh. great. That's great perspective. It's a great yeah. thought. Like, sooner rather than later. I also feel like yeah. as we get, as we get, uh, sort of more comfortable in our lives and more comfortable to a lifestyle that is like, we're always in pursuit of like more comfort and, and cushier lifestyle. Like that just makes it harder and harder yeah. to calibrate down to sometimes what y- you, you, might even still probably stay in some like places that a lot of people wouldn't. Right. I mean, just, it's just oh, part no. of. <laughs> yeah. And I think another it's thing- every night you're staying in either a hotel or a short-term rent- rental pretty much every night. Right. Of your entire, yeah. like waking life.
1: Last year, I think last year I did, I did like 120 nights in a Marriott. Um, so like I have all the status, right? Like, but those kind of get expensive. What? Um, what kind of
0: status even is that? I can't even imagine. Is that yeah, like. They
1: call it the, they call it the ambassador. And I have like my own personal concierge lady that I can email. Um, which is great. Cause my dad <laughs> just came to Europe for his birthday. And so I emailed her and I was like, she has all my reservations for the, you know, the seven or eight hotels we visited in Europe. And I just told her, I was like, Hey, he's coming for his birthday. You know, it'd be great. You know, these properties did something that, you know. See what you can do. And so every hotel we went to, there was a bottle of champagne, glasses, and fruit plates out in every single room that we went to. And so, you know, you kind of get in these weird things, but like that's... treatment of digital nomads. They're like Marriott kings. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you have to hit a certain threshold, right? Like of, course, it's, of course. I've been doing it so long that now it's just I have so much of that stuff kind of built up. Um, but also the thing you're talking about, like when you have all this stuff and think like I'm living out of two backpacks, so I don't buy anything. So, there's yeah. not like I start accumulating right. more and more stuff, or like I'm comfortable and comfortable. I just have nothing. And I've now started to kind of fall back into those kind of ways when you you have like three or four places you're only staying. Um, and if you happen to have a place now that you pay rent for the first time in a very long time, like you start to collect things to put there because you don't have to take them with you. And you're like, oh, well, I just, it'd be nice if I had some winter shoes, you know, right? Because every time I come to Bozeman, I don't have winter shoes on me. And so it'd be nice, you know, to have like winter shoes. And so you start to get that and then one thing leads to another. Um, Uh But yeah, and so I think it helps. Like, I think a good way to get started is if you can just take a two-week vacation with a suitcase. And if you don't miss anything that's not in that suitcase, like you can start to realize what you don't need real quick. Right, and so that's kind of how I got started was traveling for work three weeks a month, and I just found myself just living out of the suitcase, wearing the same clothes, just doing laundry, same clothes back in the suitcase because I didn't have to unpack or pack. And then you realize, like, oh, I don't need this closet full of clothes. Like, people make fun of me now because I have um, the same shirt in three colors. I have six of them, and so all my shirts are the same. Yeah. All my shirts are the yeah, same I know shirt, that shirt. Just I know. in different colors. Yeah. Wearing <laughs> yeah. one now in there black. It is. Yep. That's the And black so one. it just, I, it's easy. It's not cotton. So I can hang it up to dry wherever. Like all it's right. just, it's very simple. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to wear. Like I, I just have to pick the color. Um, And so, you know, things like that, like you just start to get used to it. People think it's kind of weird at first, but you know um, as I spend more and more time places, like I have to finally now start to buy clothes and start to blend into society because you know, it's tough going out to like fancy dinners with friends and stuff. And you're the only guy wearing like Lululemon pants and an Arctic shirt. And everybody else is like dressed up for Christmas wearing button ups and sweaters and stuff. And you're just like, oh, so you know,
0: yeah. you know what though, Jonathan, I, there's something like simple, but very beautiful about that. And I wonder, like, couldn't you imagine a future where like that becomes more of a way of life for everybody? Like even, yeah. even the fact, like I've got an entire section of my closet that's dress shirts and suit coats and do you, and I actually thought about getting rid of them. And it was like really hard for me. Cause I'm like, well, what if there's an NFC event and I need one of these, or I, I still need the camel hair coat for Christmas mass. And like, like, yeah. but, but it's just like so much of this stuff is just not necessary at all yeah. to living a simple and happy life.
1: Yeah. So I have a trick for that. Okay. Um, every time I need a tuxedo or a dinner jacket or a suit, I have my measurements with this service online and they just send me a box with all the stuff in it. And then when I'm done, there's a label in the box and I just drop it at UPS. So every time I go to a wedding, anything like that, I just have Incredible. my tux or suit delivered, put it on, wear it for that day. And then off it goes. Cause I and don't, it's, why would I carry this around? And it's clean and it's new. It's like in style. It's like, eh. Yeah.
0: Why don't we all do that? I
1: get to, I get to pick right. Based on like how well I know the bride and groom, like, you know, what kind of, is it formal, (laughs) not as formal, like, you know, wearing random colors and stuff and things like that. You get to kind of play with it. Um, so.
0: You're always the best dressed guy at those events. I'm sure. I am
1: actually. Yeah. (laughs) Incredible. All
0: right. We're almost out of time, but a couple more things I want to know. Is there, um, is there somewhere you want to try that you haven't been yet? Like what's give us the top three that are on your list. I know you've been all over the place, but is what's, where are some
1: places you haven't been? I actually haven't been to South America. That was my, that was my 2020 leg. And then that just got completely ruined. And then, like I said, I've been sticking to these like three or four cities. And so it's kind of like, it's kind I mean, of, you know, it's slipping, you know, and cause I, I really want to get back to Asia. Cause I haven't been back to Asia since, I mean, I was in Singapore for the three months in COVID, but before that, it'd been at least like two or three years. And since I lived in Seoul for two years, like I kind of missed that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going back to Japan to snowboard this winter, but
0: that's what I was going to ask Japan. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm going back to Japan just to snowboard though with some friends, but it's not like, like, you know, I want to go bebop around Seoul streets and see all my like old stomping grounds and things like that. Um, Hit the Philippines up again, like so much fun, all those places. Um, And so that's competing with like, well, should I go to South America? Right and then like i still need to go to africa like i haven't been to africa yet either and it's like there's just so many things but now you know started my own business and you're like oh well then you get to control your own hours and it's like no nope, you just work more and it's you know because <laughs> it's your business and so you know it's it's tough now especially when you have all these friends at these like places that you're spending all your time and they're like when are you coming back like what do you mean you're gone right like it's tough to like i would say have like really good friendships and then yeah. just disappear for a month or two months at a time. Like that's, that's like difficult, right? Like, unless you're like the best of friends, like I think military guys can kind of do this uh, and women too, like better. Cause we, you know, we're used to swapping and changing and moving every yeah, three months. Exactly. And your friend, your friend is your best friend at the duty station might only be there for half your time or like, a third of your time before they move. And so you're kind of good at like keeping in touch and just kind of like understanding that people get busy. Um, yeah. But for those non-people, you know, they find it very hard to believe that like you disappear for like a month and you come back and everything's different and you're just like, oh, and so it feels like not as seamless as it would with like other people. And so, you know, that kind of weighs on you and stuff. So now you're kind yeah. of, yeah.
0: What, um I know you're, you're a big foodie, uh, what, yeah. what are some of your favorite cuisines or places you've eaten or, or favorite things to order, uh,
1: when you're out and about? Yeah. So I, I do this weird thing where no matter where I'm at, if I can find a decent ramen spot, like I'm eating ramen, like I've had ramen all over Europe in America, obviously in Asia, like, and so I'm always trying to find, I would say like ramen, um, the other thing i'm into is there is a good like, well,
0: is there a s- spot that has better ramen, unexpectedly that like best ramen ever you know unexpected like italy like oh i wouldn't have expected that or
1: no but i i would say probably one of the top five bowls i've ever had was in rotterdam uh, just randomly took a day trip from amsterdam over to rotterdam and yeah. found one of the, I, I would say the best bowl i've had in europe um and so that's pretty good. There's, there's some good stuff here in London where, you know, people have gone over to Japan for like five, 10 years. And then they come mm-hmm. back and they open like a little tiny, like ramen shop. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, San Francisco has amazing ramen places. Sure. Um, and then obviously the Sapporo airport has probably 40. It's just like a food court for ramen stalls and it's, it's <laughs> glorious. So that
0: sounds cool. Well, maybe when you go back, when you go to Japan this winter for your, uh, snowboarding trip, you'll, uh, Oh yeah, recrown recrown the yeah. uh, ramen championship. Yeah, yeah. There. that's great. Very cool. Um, what uh, with all your travels too, I imagine you're, you're getting exposed to a lot of cool people and cultures and, and content. Um, what's something uh, unique or insightful that you you're either listening to right now or reading or that you maybe you've just even experienced recently? Anything cool worth highlighting? I know you always got some some good nuggets for me.
1: Yeah, I think. The thing I start to, like, notice more and more is just how different, like, I, I'm i very attuned to, like, how different regions are. Like, even in the same country, it's like, if you take a train, like, outside of London, like, it's very different. Like, London's very different than, like, um, you know, uh, recently went to Southampton, right? And so, like, it's just totally different. And sometimes you forget about that. And I... And it's weird that it like caught me off guard that I didn't think about that. But then I, I always come back to like America, and it's like you have the left coast and the right coast, and then you have Middle America, and they're just completely different. And it's just like, and I don't know why it caught me up because I always remember it in America. Because like every time I I meet somebody in either San Francisco, L.A., or New York, it's like, oh, you guys obviously have never been to Kansas. Like it's very clear <laughs> that like you just have no idea what's in Kansas, and so. Yeah. No, no um, place. just trying to, it's like, oh, yeah. Baby. <laughs> yeah, it's like, just trying to keep like, keep that in the front of my mind. Like it's, it's very diverse here in Europe. And then you go back to the United States, semi-diverse depending on where you are, but like, it's just here. It's yeah. like, you know, Europe, it's just, everybody's like everywhere. And it's, it's just crazy how freedom of movement and stuff. And it's just kind of like making sure to like, be aware of that when you're talking to new people and things like that. Like I've gotten used to it. Cause like, I'm always meeting new people. And so it's, I yeah. have to, you, there's no way you can breathe. Preconceptions and things like that to a conversation because they're all just radically different. Even That's if it's fine. like, oh no, I've met I've met a bunch of people before, uh, you know, from there, and it's like this person's this always going to be different, and it's it's like super you know important. I think to just kind of keep that in your mind because okay. I think it helps interacting with people, especially me. I meet a lot of people, and you have such short times with them. Like, how do you make a lasting impression, and how do they you know kind of keep up and things like that, and how do you make it worthwhile? Um, the kind of thing that I I think. I always have in the back of my head. There's a there's a park and rec, parks and recreation quote that like I don't ever want to fall into. It's when um, Leslie um, is trying to date one of uh, what Ann's friends. Um, what's his name? Justin. His name is Justin. Why do I know this much about this show? Anyways, um, he comes in and the, the, I think the quote is I think by Ron Swanson, and he's like, "Justin's just a tourist. He he vacations in other people's lives. He pops in, shares some stories, right." doesn't really make any connections and then he's gone, right? He comes in to like slurp your stories and not kind of give anything back. And then he disappears, right? Like as a tourist going to a new town, you're just there taking photos, not really caring about the locals, not trying to really necessarily take take something from there, you know? And so yes. I always try to keep that in my mind is like, I don't want to be a tourist in other people's lives. Like I want to have like some meaningful connection and, you know, interact and have them remember me and me remember them. Cause you know, I'm I most likely will cross paths with these people again, um, as it's happened to me time and time again. And so it's, it's a, a thing I think about a lot is that, that kind of aspect of being a tourist in people's lives. So, yeah. That's brilliant. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. That is awesome. What a soundbite. Um, if you
0: i got one more question for you uh and it's a very it's very contrarian to uh what we've been talking about this whole episode uh if you had to choose one place for the rest of your life where would it be
1: oh i think that's i think that's very tough i don't know if i could Uh ever do that i think
0: i I thought it would be hard that's what i wanted to ask
1: i think i could do i could do like three to four i think that's where i'm like slowly moving in my life right and be like a seasonal, a okay. seasonal person in certain places. Um, I don't know okay. why. Like, I've really come to like London, um, and so I think we're trying to open up a, a branch office here, and so probably try to start to get a visa so that I can actually stay here and work here um, more and more and more. Um, since right now it's just kind of visiting and stuff like that, uh, and so kind of working on that. Um, and then, yeah, I I love Hawaii too. Though people out there, my friends out there, are amazing. The weather's great. Like it's just it's just like a different it's a different way of life that's very different from americans and very different from europeans and mm-hmm. um you're kind of out in the middle of nowhere but you're close to asia too so yeah it's a big hodgepodge cool. out there so it's awesome i thought i might stump you with that one
0: but i'm at least two that's that's good that's 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 yeah. that's a good alternative i mean and
1: then obviously vacation for weeks at a time in montana right like yeah
0: yeah yeah um Jonathan, you've been as I expected such a fun guest. You know, and I want to apologize. I, I this was like I said, we we're going to do something different. We didn't talk at all about your con- company. I mean, you are a founder and a CEO yeah. of, a, of an of an early stage tech startup. Um, you you're also a contributor to our ecosystem. You've done a lot, but um, you know, kind of to conclude, uh, I think people will certainly be perplexed to learn more about you. But why don't you tell them a little bit about where they can find Dunops online and give them just a quick plug for uh, what you, what you what you guys do.
1: Yeah. So, um, so it's doneops.com. Uh, we kind of started this doing infrastructure and things like that uh, for different companies. And then we realized it's it's pretty much become table stakes. And there's a lot of things that you don't want your developers doing. And that's debugging AWS infrastructure and things like that, because that's a time sink. And when you go to raise funds and develop things, like, you want your developers developing IP, not Debugging servers and restarting servers and things like that. And so we kind of come in and take that off your plate and just kind of provide those services for you. Um, Because a lot of times it's the heavy lift getting the infrastructure set up and then just kind of maintaining it. Um, Our value prop is like we're very, very good at it. And we don't charge a lot of money um, as like a full time dev would because we know how to fix things like very quickly. And so you're kind of paying for the value to kind of just have us as like, almost like support in a weird way but like we're there to have discussions and kind of stop you from accruing technical debt on your infrastructure stuff early um, we'll just come in and set it all up because you know if we solve it for you we can immediately take those learnings and apply it to our other clients and so it's kind of more of like all this stuff's open source software anyway all the infrastructure is code it's like you can take courses to learn how all this stuff it's just we're better we're just more senior guys that have been doing it longer and so it's just what's that value like what's that worth? Um, you know, us being able to just spin something up in like two hours, as opposed to your, your developer, senior developer going to research and figure out the nuances of these things when we just kind of know it. Um, so we came up with Dunops And so we do that for a bunch of companies, um, got a bunch based in the actual, you know, in Colorado um, and Montana, actually in Bozeman. So That's it's, right. uh, That's it's right. fun. Yeah. So. Awesome.
0: Well, Jonathan, uh, I want to, I know you're an ocean away, but it, feels like you're, you're in the next room. I mean, uh, just want to wish you a happy new year and, uh, hope, hope to run into you, uh, in person somewhere in the world soon. Yeah. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks, Les. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Found in the Rockies. You can find links in the show notes or go to nextfrontiercapital.com to get transcripts, links, and contact information for today's guests. If you like what you heard and want more, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to get notified as our new episodes drop every two weeks. We'll see you next time.